Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant, we pray, O Lord our God, that we may be sustained by the intercession of the blessed apostles Peter and Paul, that as through them you gave your church the foundations of her heavenly office, so through them you may help her to eternal salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Very good to be back with you today on this glorious solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. I'm going to talk about them in just a little bit, but first, things we can be praying for. So Disney is at it again. Disney uh, has announced its acquisition of a a television program called Pauline that features an 18-year-old impregnated by Satan. This can be nothing but uh, diabolical, and and the fact that Disney of, Disney is no longer uh, a company that caters to the well-being of children. This is now a company dedicated to destroying Christianity and virtue. So again, if you booked a trip to Disney in the upcoming future, you should cancel and go somewhere else. This place is uh, it's no longer a good company. It's no longer. Um, has any moral fiber left in it. So, uh, Disney, may your days come to an end, that that you would no longer be an influential factor on this planet. In other news, I don't know if you heard this, but now we've had a malaria outbreak in Texas and Florida. This is something that we haven't seen here for decades. And there's a very odd coincidence in that Bill Gates has been releasing mosquitoes in these two states as part of a project um, to eradicate malaria. Can you imagine? So just after he releases these genetically modified mosquitoes that had the malaria gene in them, now we have an outbreak of malaria in these two places. You know, this is another person that really needs to go away. He's, you know, he is linked to the pandemic and now he's linked to this when are we going to say enough is enough? These people are out to harm us. And so, um, you know, pray for his conversion. This is somebody with incredible wealth and power, and uh, he doesn't seem to know how to do anything else but mess up the environment. So we pray for him and his wife, too. Okay, let's get right to it. So today the church uh, honors these two great um, giants of the faith, they actually didn't know each other very well. <clears throat> we know they did meet because that's a scriptural um, item. Uh, but And they also had probably similar personalities. They were very fiery men. You know, I once heard it said that uh, there's three things that are inherent to the nature of men. And that's for these um, desires to discover the desire to rescue, and the desire to build. And those three things are all in these two men, Peter and Paul. They uh, were building up the church in the very beginning. 
I mean, we're talking about just immediately following Jesus' ascension, Peter goes to work. Paul, it took a few more years to get on board, but um, they were both vital components of the expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the 30 years following his ascension into heaven. They both were discovering, they were discoverers. Paul was going out and literally going to places all over the uh, Greece and Turkey. Um, and they were also discovering this new faith as they built it up. And of course, the ability to rescue, rescue people from their pagan theology, bringing them into the Catholic Church. So all three components are alive and well in these men. So <clears throat> when we think of them and this great day we, that we venerate these two great apostles, um, their roots are the very foundations of the church, the big church, capital C church. Uh, they are the solid rock on which the church is built. <clears throat> and they are the origin of the church's faith and will forever remain her protectors and her guides now from heaven. And, you know, to them, Rome owes her true greatness, for it was really under God's providence uh, that they were led to make the capital of the empire, sanctified by their martyrdoms, the center of the Christian world, where uh, the, radiation, the, the gospel be radiated out to the whole world. So you have to understand, when, when these two, who were, who were the, the heavy hitters of their time, uh, they both go to Rome to die. You know, uh, Peter refused to be crucified like Jesus. He asked to be crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to, to die in the manner that his Lord died. And they honored that. And so he was crucified upside down. And uh, I'll give you some more information about that in a second. And, and Paul, very close to where Peter was, just outside the gates, though, between uh, Rome and the sea, he had his head lopped off. Um, so both of them in basically in Rome. And so this is why Rome becomes the epicenter of the church, not Jerusalem. Um, it, it, that, that happened because of really because of these two men. So Peter suffered his martyrdom under Nero in about the year 66 AD. And he was buried on the hill of the Vatican where, um, Pretty recent excavation excavations have revealed that his tomb is on the very site of the Basilica of St. Peter's, uh, directly under the altar, the main altar in St. Peter's. And St. Paul was beheaded in the Via Ostia on the spot where now stands the Basilica that bears his name. And down through the centuries, Christian people in the thousands have gone pilgrimaging to these tombs of these two men. In the second and third centuries, uh, the Roman church already stood preeminent by reason of her apostolicity, it's a big word, basically of the apostles, and the infallible truth of her teaching, and really because of these two great figures, Peter and Paul. So um, today, a plenary indulgence <clears throat> can be gained by anyone who makes devout use of a religious article blessed by a bishop and who also recites any approved profession of faith, such as the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, as long as with the, uh, as well as with the usual conditions of a plenary indulgence. Um, 
So let's turn to St. Peter. We know a lot about Peter because the the Gospels are, are full of him. Um, he was originally, his real name, his birth name is Simon. And it was Jesus himself that gave him the name Cephas or Peter when they met and later confirmed it. And the name change was meant to show both Peter's rank as the leader of the apostles and also the outstanding trait of his character because Kephas in Hebrew means rock. And Peter was born in Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee. I've been to the house uh, there where Peter uh, grew up. And, and just like his younger brother, Andrew, he was a fisherman and they lived and worked in Capernaum. And Peter's house, if you remember, it became the scene of many miracles since Jesus would stay with him uh, whenever he was teaching in that locality. And so together with his brother, his brothers, John and Andrew, uh, Peter belonged to the first of Jesus's disciples. And it was after this amazing catch of fish on the Sea of Galilee that Peter received his definitive call and would leave his family and occupation to take up his place as the head of the Twelve. And so after this, we find him continually at Jesus's side, whether it's as kind of a spokesperson of uh, the men, I guess you could call it sort of the beginnings of an apostolic college, or as one specially favored. <clears throat> if you remember the restoration um, to life of Jairus's daughter, the transfiguration, and also the agony in the garden, Peter was present for all of these. And his temperament often led him to somewhat hasty, unpremeditated words and actions. He, he was quick to, to speak whatever he was thinking. And uh, ultimately, his denial of Jesus at the Passion um, was one of his worst moments that was recorded in the gospel as well. It, it kind of really accentuated a weakness in his character, and it made him very humble so that's something we can we can say that there was a good that came out of this this event, because eventually, if you remember, when he denies Jesus three times, when he meets up with Jesus after his resurrection, Jesus says to him three times, "Peter, do you love me?" And Peter, all three times, says, "I do love you, Lord." In fact, the last time he says, "You know that I love you," and Peter uh, Peter is told by Jesus to go uh, feed his sheep, um, which is really a call that we could say all priests are given to go feed the sheep. It's funny, you know, years ago, I remember we, there was a mission that the community I was in went on in Texas, and it was being built up to be an enormous mission. You know, they said there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands. So we sent down probably 20 hermits, you know, probably four or five priests, a whole bunch of the nuns, the whole uh, musicians group, the music ministry team, uh, all caravan down by uh, cars and trucks to Texas for this mission. And the first night of the mission, about 20 people showed up. It was kind of a big surprise to, to, uh, to us, you know, that this thing that was slated to be so enormous turned out to be such a little minuscule event. And a few more people showed up the next couple of days, but it, it was really nothing like what it was built up to be. And, um, you know, one day, as this is happening, I went into the chapel and prayed. And I said, you know, Lord, it's such a, it's kind of a disappointment. What, what, what happened here? Did we do something wrong? 
And he said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. He said to me, I'll never forget the words. He said, I've, I call you to feed my sheep, not count them. I said, oh, <laughs> it was kind of a surprise because it was a little bit of a slap down from Jesus. Um, always in kindness. Um, but but he to this day, it's very true. If you remember, I think it was David who uh, counted all the people in the kingdom. There was a census done and the Lord wasn't happy with that. Um, and so he, he, he doesn't want us to be concerned with the numbers. He wants us to be concerned. Just do as I ask you, and I'll take care of the rest. You know, this is a grace thing. We operate by God's grace, not by the worldly standards. So sometimes we have to be reminded of that. So what happened on that mission? We had four vocations come out of that mission, I believe. At least three, but I think it was four. I think it was three sisters and a brother. Uh, all join the community, which is unheard of. I mean, it's unprecedented. You know, if you get one vocation from a mission, that would be a big deal. To get three or four is tremendous. So, you see, his ways are far above our ways. We 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 always lose sight of that. So back to Peter, back to Peter and his mission of um, being this uh, the one who is leading the church. It is certain that Peter uh, labored in Rome as an apostle, that he was the city's first bishop, and that he died there as a martyr, bound to this cross upside down. Uh, but according to tradition, he also was the first bishop of Antioch. He's the author of two letters, the first Christian cyclicals. His burial place is uh, Christendom's most famous shrine, an edifice around whose dome are inscribed the words, Tu e Petrus et super hunc Petrum, Edificabo Ecclesium Meum. Um, and he's the patron of many things. Uh, and of course, he's always depicted with the keys, although other things as well. You know, in Jerusalem, there's this crowing rooster on top of his church to remember his worst moment. I don't know why we do things like that. Um, but always the keys, because he is the first pope. Um, so that's what I can tell you about him. Now, Paul also had a name change. It's very interesting. When God gives you a new mission, he, he often does change your name. Remember, Abram went to Abraham, uh, Sarai to Sarah. Um, uh, Paul is no different. He was Saul. Saul, his Roman name before his conversion, uh, he was born in Tarsus. It's a Roman province of uh, Cilicia. Um, about two or three years after the advent of Jesus, and so he was the son of these well-off Jewish parents, and he belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. And he was brought up uh, according to the strict religious uh, party of the Pharisees, and he enjoyed this great distinction of being a Roman citizen. That would come out later. Uh, after he's um, imprisoned, how that played into the whole imprisonment. Um, as a youth, he would have gone to Jerusalem and become immersed in the law. And there he had a teacher who was named Gamaliel. And this was the most uh, wise and intelligent Hebrew teacher of the day. At some point, he acquired the skill of being a tent maker. He even did this and continued on doing this as an apostle. Uh, 
at the time of Jesus's ministry, he was no longer in Jerusalem, uh, and he never did see Jesus during his earthly life. When he entered the holy city, Paul had discovered a flourishing Christian community, and at once uh, really developed a deep hatred for the Christians, which I have to believe, I mean, it's all in God's providence, but there had to be some demonic component here, uh, and maybe the spirit of the Antichrist, because he really hated them. He, he wanted to extinguish them completely, just eradicate them off of the planet. So when Stephen, remember our first deacon Stephen, uh, impugned uh, law and temple, Paul was one of the first at his stoning. And thereafter, he, his very fiery personality uh, would lead this persecution against the Christians. So we know he was breathing these murderous threats against these uh, new disciples of Jesus. And he was um, hurrying to Damascus when, by the grace of God, his conversion occurs. And it's a profound conversion. So almost immediately he's baptized and his eyes are the scales of his, his eyes. He was blinded in his conversion. And then uh, when he's baptized, he uh, his sight's given back to him. And he makes some initial attempts at preaching, which didn't go so well. And then he withdraws into the Arabian desert. And this is where he would be prepared for his mission. This is kind of like almost like a retreat in the desert with Jesus, a, a supernatural occurrence. Uh, of course, Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And he's given these very special revelations about Jesus and Christ is appearing to him personally. So upon his return to Damascus, he began to preach, but he's forced to leave when his own brothers, the Jews, try to kill him. You know, you have to think about the day and age of these two men. Uh, being a Christian and especially a uh, proponent of Christianity was a very risky business. Like you could lose your life. It, it was, it would be more, the odds would be more in favor of you being murdered if you're promoting Christianity than not. And of course, both these men were murdered. Um, so what else do we know about him? Well, probably around the year 40-ish, he uh, went to Tarsus until Barnabas brought him to this newly founded Christian community at Antioch where both these men worked for a year in building up the church. And then around the year 44, he made another journey to Jerusalem with the money collected for um, that community up there. Um, the first major mission he goes on began upon his return uh, when he and Barnabas brought the gospel to Cyprus and to Asia Minor. Um, this is like Turkey. And the Council of Jerusalem occasioned Paul's reappearance in Jerusalem around the year 50. And he has another mission uh, where he goes out to um, Turkey a second time. His third mission took him to Ephesus, and he labors three years with very good success there after visiting his uh, European communities. And then he finally returns to Jerusalem for a fifth time. Um, and it's there that he's seized by the Jews and accused of con condemning the law. 
So what happens? He's held as a prisoner for two years in Caesarea, and he appeals to Caesar, and then he's sent uh, by sea to Rome. And he gets shipwrecked, and he's delayed on the island of Malta, and then finally arrives in Rome in the spring of around the year 61, and he passes the next two years uh, in confinement, but they treated him fairly well. He was allowed to have visitors. He was writing his letters. He, he It was probably the, the best of circumstances, given that he's in jail. And the last years of this saint's life were devoted to um, missionary excursions, probably including Spain, and probably revisiting the first foundations that he set up. Finally, in the year 66, he returns to Rome. He's again taken prisoner, and one year later, he is beheaded. And we have 14 letters from his legacy to his communities, and that's part of uh, our, our uh, New Testament today. So these are, uh, and of course, Paul, when you see him depicted, he's always with the Bible, the book, and, and often with a sword. Uh, that would be the sword is twofold. One, it represents the way he was killed, but he's holding the sword, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which Paul was well-versed in, uh, as well as his own words become the word of God uh, as they are then taken and detailed into the New Testament. So a very wonderful day, uh, a glorious day, you could say today, as we celebrate these two great men and these two great missions uh, where they worked sort of side by side. Um, they had a couple of uh, encounters with each other, but um, for the most part, their their lives didn't cross paths very often. And yet we do celebrate them together today. So the church in her wisdom realizes the profound effect they had upon um, the, the, this founding the church in Rome when really both of them came from um, uh, Israel. And, you know, given their very different personalities, I mean, they had a lot in common being, you know, kind of fiery, but um, Paul, highly educated, Peter, not so much. Um, but they had very strong personalities that we can agree upon. But despite all the, the their flaws, you know, Paul was basically a terrorist to the Christians. Peter um, had his own faults and his impetuousness. But despite all that, you know, God did call them, those two, uh, and use their personalities to spread the gospel. Uh, Peter with his impetuous love to look after the flock, and Paul to use his training as a Pharisee and his strength of character to ensure that uh, both the Jew and the non-Jew would be welcomed into the church. And it really should remind you and I that our talents, is, our talents as well as our weaknesses also can become a means of helping uh, God bring people into his church. If, if, big if, if we uh, allow and cooperate with God's grace. That's always the necessary bottom line. Are you cooperating with God's grace or are you bucking up against it, doing your own thing? It's hard to tell sometimes, you know, because sometimes your will and God's will will be the same. That would be ideal if that was always the way. But even Jesus, who is God himself, he was in that garden on the night of his imprisonment 
And he said, not my will, but your will be done. So you have to realize that if, if even if God himself in the person of Jesus Christ knew that his, his will in his flesh did not want to go to the cross, but he knew he had to go. If that, if Jesus experienced that so much more so for us who do not have a divine um, element to our personhood, uh, we are 100% creature. And so a fallen creature as well, you know, so we have, uh, we have to always be very, very, very um, clear with ourselves that we are flawed and it's easy to get off track if we're not cooperating with God's grace and even figuring out what is uh, the will of God takes some bit of discernment often. So we have to be a people who are deeply rooted in prayer, begging the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and our hearts to show us the way to go. If you call upon the Holy Spirit every day, I had a good friend who died with, during COVID uh, named Lewis. He was a big guy. We used to work out together at the gym and, uh, and a very holy man too and, and a dear friend and I do miss him. But um, Lewis had this great gift and I'll never forget the first day we, we gathered for, um, uh, what is it called? Exodus 90. And I invited Lewis to join our group and he met with the group. This is the first time he met anybody in the group besides me. And there's about, you know, 10 of us. And he looks at the group. We all, everybody's like, oh, hello, welcome, Lewis. How are you doing? Good to meet you, Lewis. Lewis, Lewis, blah, blah, blah. And Lewis stands up and looks at the group and he goes, listen, I've joined a bunch of men's groups in the church over the years. And they've always been an utter disappointment because of their lack of fortitude in growing in God's love. Tell me if you're going to be one of those disappointments and I'll get out right now. I couldn't believe it. He was so frank. He was even more frank than I am. But anyway, Lewis always, every day, called on the Holy Spirit. In everything he did, he would say, come Holy Spirit. In his work, in his marriage, in his family, in his um, activities that he did for fun, everything. He was always calling on the Spirit. Uh, and what a great, great witness that is for everybody else in the world to follow. Always call on the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we don't have to be perfect for God to work through us. God can work through us, faults and all, just as he did with Saints Peter and Paul. That's it for today's show. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.